This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very excited to have you guys here with us again today uh, for a wine episode. In this wine episode, we are doing Spanish wine. I'm excited, Josh. I don't know that I've drunk a whole lot of Spanish wine, have you? Yeah, I've I've gotten into Spanish wine a little bit because there's such great deals in Spanish wine, so I'm uh, I'm ready to get into it. And I'm super excited about my food. Uh, <laughs> One of the things that I cooked and have never successfully cooked until today. So, well, Dad, what are you going to do? I did a stretch too, Josh. So, yeah. uh, what's, what's your wine and what are your foods today? Marquette does Ruscal Roja Reserva 2015. Oh. And my food, pan con tomate, tamala, española, then fawn. All right, sounds good. And nice big Rioja. It's six years old. Kind of hard to find some of those. The reserve is that old nowadays. I even got it uh, for Wine Wednesday. So <laughs> it was very reasonable. Exactly. So, and then I'm doing the Martin Codec Rios Baixa Alberino. Um, it is a white wine. As my foods today, I have two different types of cheeses I have a burrata, and then I have a, a goat cheese from Spain. I have some fried calamari, and then I have Persian rice with tali, and uh, we'll kind of talk about what that is and why it's um, turned out perfect, didn't it? How it turned out perfect, and you'll be able to kind of see it in the uh, in the pictures out there on Instagram. So, well, before we get started, we've got a blind to talk about, don't we? Yeah, it was a liquor blind, so I blinded you with a clear liquor, and what did you say Pepper- can't remember it was peppermint schnapps <laughs> like i knew it from the first sniff like i don't know if you guys heard in the episode i started laughing after i sniffed it because i knew right then what it was but it was a it was a peppermint schnapps ding ding all right all right you got it, <laughs> it was, i mean if you missed that one i was gonna just stop i mean i don't know what i was gonna do about bonding your own liquor <laughs> maybe i should have missed it on purpose then <laughs> well maybe then you would have then you would have had to start doing the, the no, liquor i don't know about that but okay, well, are we ready to get into this? Yeah, I am. All right, we're going to go ahead and start with mine. So once again, it's the Martin Codec Alberino from Rias Baixa, Spain. And then my foods, I have some fried calamari. I've got some burrata, some cave-aged goat cheese from Spain, and then some Persian rice. Now, so this Persian rice, just that if you want to go ahead and kind of get started, we'll start with the cheeses and then the rice and then the calamari. Okay. Or whatever order you really want to do it in. Well, I'm looking at it. It all looks good. So the Persian rice, what it is, is a basmati rice that you par cook and then you fry the bottom of it and you flavor it with saffron and whatever else you want. I just did straight saffron and ghee or butter in this one. And the, the prize of this style of rice is this crispy, crunchy, fried bottom piece which is kind of hard to do because you're still steaming the rice while you're frying this bottom. And there, there's some great little techniques that you have to do to get to it. And I've made this three different times. And this is the first time that I've gotten like the, like the really crispy tali rice on the bottom. Like you can flick it. It's hard. It's fried. It looks good. It really does. And it's really delicious. So, well, let's go ahead and get into this. So, like I said, this is a, Albarino. So Albarino is the grape. It is a white grape. It is not a common grape, uh, but it's mostly grown in this northwest region of Spain. So if you put it on your geography hat for a second and you have Spain, 
and you know where Portugal is, there's that little bit of Spain that's above Portugal that, that borders the Atlantic Ocean. That is the region of Galicia. And Galicia, within Galicia, there is Rio Spicha, okay. um, where this wine is grown. Uh, and it, one of, it's up there in my favorite white wine. But what are you smelling? It's a beautiful on? white wine. I mean, the, the light in the room is just reflecting off of it. You can see through it. I hadn't checked the legs. I bet it's about 14%. You, yeah, you it know? runs about 14.5. And this is the 2019 yeah. vintage. I gla- our glasses are very clean, so I'm not seeing no. much legs. but It's actually it, 12. It's 12.5%. Okay. Yeah. Well, still, really beautiful wine. And on the nose, I got uh, some, some like light fruit. I want to say that a little bit maybe of the honeysuckle flower. Okay. And fruit wise, well, definitely the white, the white grape. Right. Maybe a white currant kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, this is what's considered a, an aromatic wine. So it's got, got a lot of those kind of, like you said, those floral notes on kind of honeydew. It's on the lighter side of the fruit. There's some good citrus in there as well. Honeydew. That's, that's a good way to say it. And one thing that you get on this. Except a honeydew's green. No green in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is some, actually, so in the color, there's some kind of green tint. That's just if your I was, dirt reflecting. No. <laughs> no, if I was blinding this, I would say that they're kind of, as a secondary color, there are some kind of speckles of green in it. Oh, okay. But it is a Did beautiful. Did we talk about the green flash again? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, probably from some of these vineyards, if you're at the right time, you could see it. Because some of these vineyards are, are very coastal. And because of that, they do a little interesting, well, not interesting, it's just a different way they grow their grape, so they train their grape. So they train them like they're in a pergola. So, you know, most, most wine grapes are, you know, grown straight up and down. Mm-hmm. Wine grapes are a vine, so they'll grow however you train them to grow. Okay. These grow like up on these, I call them pergolas. It's like a trellis. It, it, well, but it's more like, you know, the, um, it's got a canopy. Okay. So it's not yeah. just, it's not just posts, Yeah. but they actually canopy over. Mm. So when you walk under, you can like walk underneath it. Like you're you in gray. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes, actually you can like, and they do that because this is a maritime climate and they get fog, they get cold weather and it really moist. So they have to have something to get that good sea breeze to dry oh, out the grapes. Okay, okay. So they put them up really high. Like that, so the they can dry down. Guys, have you been to Spain? Joe and Jeff have been to Spain. I have not been. Okay. They, but they did not go to Rio Spicha. Oh, okay. They stayed around the Rioja and some of the other regions down there. Ribeiro de Ribeiro Duerto. Okay. Ribeiro de Duerto. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ribeiro de Duerto. And they they loved it over there. Okay. They said it was such a great time. But this is one of the regions. David Christopher has actually walked through this region. Oh, is that because right? Because the Camino de Santiago, you know, the, the way that he walked, the pilgrimage, yeah. goes through this region. Oh, okay. So hmm. it's, a, it's a really cool thing. So I've seen you snacking while I've been chit-chatting a little well, bit. Well, I had, I had to check you out on this. On this uh, is it called sticky rice or is it called? Called Persian rice with tali. Yeah. Or tali. But the bottom is real crunchy. And that's why I, I want right. to say it's sticky. Yeah. But no, that, that crunchy. Sticky rice is really a kind of a Japanese thing. Right. But, but that, this, this crunchy, I had to turn my head away from the microphone. You probably still could hear me. So good and crunchy. 
Mm -hmm. a beautiful yellow color which matches this wine perfect Mm -hmm. and the flavor oh yeah they're they're going together it's a it's a holiday in my mouth (laughs) it's the it's the floridity of the of the saffron Mm -hmm. that kind of wakes it up and that crunchy crispy Watch this, Josh. I just picked oh. it up <laughs> yeah like this is, it's so good you can cut it in pieces and you eat it like a like a piece of pizza mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like i was saying you know they they grow these in kind of like a pergola canopy type thing mm-hmm. so that they can get some of those those winds to come through and dry out the grape i love this wine I, I love albarinos they are crisp they are dry but my favorite thing about Albarinos is because they're grown in coastal regions, you get some salinity okay. in the wine. You get some salty sea kind of taste. And that's why on the plate we have calamari. Fish. Should seafood. we start it with the rice or should we finish with the rice? We can, we can start we can do whatever we want. It, right? We can do whatever we want with it. Fish, seafood is this wine's best friend. Right. So doing, that's why I did some fried calamari with it. How does that pairing go? I hadn't tried it yet, Josh, but I'm sure it's good. I mean, I love calamari. Now, there's a lot of salt with the calamari. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to do with the wine. Mine just smoothed out that salt. Really did. Mm. Did you try it? I did. And yeah, it kind of, I mean, it just, it brings up that salinity and just opens up that freshness of the fruit. And there's enough acid that'll cut through. Mm-hmm. It cuts through it. I mean, this is a great. Like I I don't know if this is not on your restaurant menu when you go to the beach you should ask them why All right. <laughs> because in, I mean any type of seafood this is gonna go so well with I mean I'm just thinking like fresh shrimp crab mm-hmm. lobster mm-hmm. fish tacos all that stuff is gonna go so well with this I think um, this would hold up to a tuna yes that was one of the other things with tuna there's a lot of dishes in Galicia or Galicia that use fish or even tuna to as kind of a big body robust way that they cook. And one of the pairings was a, like an empanada that they do and they stuff it sometimes with tuna. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's really good. You know, as you, as you continue to snack them. Um, tell me I, about the two cheeses. Okay. So we have two different cheeses. We have one that's called a burrata. Barata is, I think it's ricotta wrapped around mozzarella, or mozzarella wrapped around like ricotta. So it's got a kind of a harder outside, but then a really soft, creamy texture on the inside. And then the goat cheese, which is the harder cheese, is a aged, a 21-month aged goat cheese that comes from Spain. So you have that kind of agedness around the outside. And then you have that kind of soft, acidic, creamy goat cheese on the inside. And so the burrata just has a like soft, creamy, salty kind of texture. It is fantastic. Melts you in your mouth. Uh-huh. If you see it on a menu, go ahead and get it. A lot of times it's served in Italian restaurants because it is an Italian cheese, but it'll be served with like balsamic drizzled on top or as an accompaniment to like fresh tomatoes and basil. Like it would actually be. Some of it would be good on top of your uh, tomato dish that you did today. Oh, it would. Yeah. Yeah. But just that creamy texture and that soft, soft flavors, I think would go well with the wine. Mm -hmm. As you're tasting those cheeses, getting ready to tell us how it pairs. 
something I found interesting was that the region was first planted in the 12th century by monks, and it was the Cistercian monk. These are the same monks that started all the plantings in France. Oh, okay. Champagne, Bordeaux, Burgundy. They, they were the ones. They just moved down to Spain, huh? They were the ones that did, you know, did that kind of work as part of their process of being a monk. And, you know, if I'm not, I'm 99% sure that Dom Perignon was a Cistercian monk. Oh, really? Okay. So huh? these are the people who kind of know what, know where to put wine, wine grape, make it, you know, not only for the Holy Sacrament, but also as sell as part of their good works and deeds and pay for the monastery. Now, as I said, that, that cheese melts in your mouth about the time you reach over and grab, grab your glass of wine, but you've still got that wonderful cheese flavor in your mouth. Take a little sip wine. You keep saying there's things made in heaven. This might <laughs> yeah. be one of them, Josh, because, yeah. because it, it just, you know, you're not having to chew, 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 and then sip, sip, sip. Right. You just kind of get a bite of it, sort of melting in your mouth as you get a drink of the wine, and they're happy together. I mean, Good. I would drink, I would drink that, those two together, rather than the burrata and a pina grigio any day of the week. Oh, okay. Made in I mean, heaven, huh? To me, that, to me, that's a better pairing because the, the acidity and that light fruit and floral really go well with that parada. Like you said, there's still that little bit of cheesy, gooey mozzarella feel kind of in your mouth mm-hmm. when you're taking when you're drinking the wine, and that just goes so well as kind of an earthy component to this wine. That's right. With a with that little bit of salinity. That's and right. I keep talking about that salt. Do you get that when you taste the wine? That yes, little bit of just a little bit. It's kind of like with Oban. Oh, okay. With the Oban whiskey, you know, there's that little hint of salinity. That's there. Well, they're getting that sea breeze, so, you know, both locations are very close to the sea. Right. So there's that sea air that's going to naturally impart some of that solidity into Mm -hmm. the beverage itself. Now, have you had the other cheese yet with it? I was just reaching for it. Yeah. While you're doing that, Martin Codex, so this wine, it is actually a co-op. I would consider it a co-op wine. So it's not made by one particular vintner. So there's a bunch of grape growers who've gotten together to create Martin and Kodak. Okay. They're backed, pretty sure they're backed by Gallo. Oh, right. Um, EJ Gallo. Yeah. But it was started in 1986, so just like me. Mm-hmm. Started, started back in 86. Yes, you did. They have about 14, over 1,400 different parcels that they pull grapes from. Okay. The little different areas that they pull grapes from. And so I thought that was really cool that it's, you know, it's a group of people who want to put out great wine to the world, great Albarino to the world that couldn't do it by themselves. So they banded together to create this group where they, they can share their culture and their wine to the world. So this goat cheese has a lot of, uh, it's like it has some spice Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of acid, but it really doesn't go as, I don't think it goes as well with wine but it goes very well but i got some earth notes mm-hmm. spice note that acid still that wine is just kind of smoothing things out and standing up yeah especially so like i said this this wine or this wine this cheese comes in a log form mm. 
And so you have the aged bit on the outside. And because it's in that log form, you get that kind of funk of the age all the way through. Um, you know, the inside part, you're right, is still really acidic. Mm-hmm. But you get that flavor of the funk. And the wine just doesn't have enough acidity to hold up to it. Mm. Like you get there, like it, but the wine tastes, to me, it tastes sweeter with that, which lets me know that there's not enough acid on the wine to go with that. But I'm, but I'm curious of the outside piece because this, the aged piece on the, this aged little piece on the outside won't have as much acidity because it's been aged through. So it's a whole lot softer too. That both of those is good though. Yeah, so that funkiness on the outside, I think, goes a little bit better with the wine because it's not as as acidic as the inside part, mm-hmm. and it just you have that funk and that, like you said, that earthiness, but it's a little bit heavy for the wine itself. I agree. You know, this is a good light-bodied white wine, so it doesn't it you know it's not big and full. So this is you know a light a light bodied wine that easily be overpowered. Like definitely you wouldn't want to do any big heavy dishes with this. Like that just showed us that some like, like this is not going to hold up to beef pork, depending on how it's prepared. Um, definitely not barbecue. Definitely not barbecue. I was just sitting here thinking that not our barbecue. Yeah. Not barbecue, but you know, a, like a light roasted pork, something that not real spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it doesn't have enough sweetness to hold up to that spicy level. Well, maybe a, a pork because it is a white meat. If you just kind of just pan seared it or something, mm-hmm. maybe just a little salt, little little pepper, light on the pepper. Yeah, and just a like an herbaceous, lemony kind of kind of sauce would go well with it. Now, are you getting some lemon out of the nose or out of the taste? I get a little bit of citrus. I mean, it's not a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. But I do get some in there. Well, I, see you over, I see you over there just going after that rice. It's really good, Josh. It's so good. I know what your best on plate is. <laughs> I don't know. It's such a good, like, it's such a really well-balanced thing. Yeah, I did yourself on that rice. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the rice is really good. You know that the really floral, floral note of the, of the saffron really helped. I've had this dish before where it has like little red currants in it uh-huh. as well. I've had that with almonds and other things in it as well, but I just did like the regular. Maybe it, uh, this one could have held up to the red currants. Hey, yeah, I could have. I just didn't have any in my, in my pantry. Right. <laughs> when I started cooking this. And I was honestly worried that it wasn't going to come out. Uh, that's why I have four things on my plate. But I think, you know, that, that floralness of the saffron. And the crunchiness and the 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 fattiness of the ghee that's with it just I mean it goes so well. And as a side dish, you know, because this is technically a side dish, mm-hmm. it's really good. You know, if I was gonna do a meal like a main and a side with this, mm-hmm. having that tally, I would probably put some currants in it mm-hmm. to kind of bring up that sweetness or even kumquats if I could find some kumquats. Okay. With that sweet and sour that kumquats have. And then I would do... A lot of time with the Persian rice, you get olives. Mm-hmm. How do you think that would work? I don't think it would go very well with the briny. I think it'd be overly salty. Right. I don't, I don't think the brininess, kind of like the cheese, that acidity of the cheese mm-hmm. didn't really go well. I think that wouldn't be something that kind of go well. But, you know, a roasted chicken with 
you know, like thyme and rosemary, like springtime mm-hmm. herb. Right. I think that would be really, really beautiful with this. Or even doing like just a, like your Chilean bath that you do, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of a pouch cook, um, like a pouch cook. Chilean bass with spring vegetables and a side of that rice, I think would be, right. I think it would, I think that would really, really go well with this, with this wine. Now, does this same uh, vineyard grow red grapes or so, red, make red wine? So I don't think so. Martin Codex just does, I'd have to go back and look through their stuff. They may that just sold in, in Spain or in larger markets, but all we get here at least in Arkansas, is this main one. They do make, because there are five subregions mm-hmm. of the DO, of Ries Shot, and they do some that are, that are single okay. subregion. But I didn't look close enough to see if they did any red. I think it's really, another thing that's really cool is they have a female head winemaker. Oh, yeah? Yeah, okay. her name is uh, Katia Alvarez. All right. All She's right. one of those. She actually made a couple lists of like winemakers to watch. Oh, okay. Because she's doing really good. And then, you know, Martin Kodak is, um, it's the name may sound familiar to people because it is a Galatian troubadour. One of the most famous, you know, Galatian troubadours mm-hmm. um, was named Martin Kodak. He, you know, wrote songs and poems and epics um, back the way back, I think, in the 18, 17, 1800s. Okay. But it's a really, it's a really great wine. It is, it is totally affordable. What was it at? at it was the store? now. See, I bought it on Wine Wednesday, and I'm not sure if I got the discount or not. Because sometimes at Wine Wednesday they they've got a price that's set. Right. If it's already on what sale, what the sticker said was less than fifteen dollars. Yeah. So if I got the Wine Wednesday, we're we're down around twelve. Yeah. This wine is it is super affordable. You you know, 15, 20 bucks, depending on your market, it less also depending on your market. And it is totally drinkable. I mean, today here in Arkansas, you know, it's in the seventies, it's nice. Well, no, it's in the sixties today with a nice mm-hmm. little breeze blowing. Cause we had a couple of storms come through yesterday. And this, 80. Yeah. But we had a big storm roll through, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And so we it, were on a tornado walk because of it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we are now. Yeah. But this is a great, this is, a, you know, a sit outside on your front porch wine. It's great by itself. Um, it's not, it's not going to wear you out. Like I said, it's 12, 12 and a half. It's also good to just have some snacks with. If you've got anything that's, you know, got a little bit of salt to it, it's not too acidic, a little bit of fattiness, then, I mean, you're good to go. I mean, right. I, I mean, that burrata was lights out. It was, yeah. The uh, calamari was a little salty, little right. Little, that was too salty. Now, did you get that at Trader Vic's or so Trader Joe's? I, I Trader Joe's. It, it came. Wow, wow. That's, that's a blast from the past. So Trader, yeah, it came into like a seafood medley. Oh, okay. that had like little itty bitty bay scallops and shrimp. Yeah, and then um, I soaked it in milk to try and tender to tenderize a little bit, and then just put some banco breadcrumbs on it, salt, pepper. Yeah. And then fried it. Well, next time you do it, don't add the salt because I think it was salty enough. But yeah, it it didn't overwhelm me. I keep eating it, so don't worry about that part. <laughs> but it was too much salt for this wine. Right. Okay. Have any more for us? No, I think 
Unless you have any questions about this, that's kind of that's my one. That's kind of what I what I got. I mean, I'm I gonna have this. to look for this wine. <laughs> I went I went to our favorite liquor store, and they keep moving things around, and they have these aisles with the country's mark. Finally, asked somebody, "Where's Spain?" <laughs> he says, "Way over there on that wall." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Spanish wines kind of get. Spanish wines kind of well, get Well, the Spanish in. wines and the German wines. The German wines is not quite to the wall, but the Spanish wines were to the wall. Right. And uh, once I got over there, I didn't really have too much trouble finding both of these wines. But, yeah. You know, you have to, what I'm trying to make is you're not going to find the Spanish wines unless you're in most stores. In most That's stores. Right. Yeah. And if you're over there picking out your, Sonoma, just because that's an S word doesn't mean Spain is next door. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Most most liquor stores are not set up that way. Right. Right. Guess we can switch over. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to still you're eat this rice. Snacking, huh? I'm going to have yellow fingers because of this mm. saffron. But I'm ready to switch over to the Rioja. So remind us what you have and what your pairings. My wine today, I have Marquette's. The Rascal Reserva Roja. It's 2015. And if you're now, there are other bottles that maybe have the wire around it, but that's a distinguishing look for this bottle. It's got this gold wire that wraps. You'll see it. You look at Facebook. It's got this gold wire. Their label has gold on the label. And it's 14.5% by volume. It's a red wine, of course. So uh, this winery has been going since 1858, so that's 160 years. A lot longer than mine. Yeah. On, their, on this page that I'm looking at that tells you about the 160 years, they say, we live by wine, and we live for wine. Okay. I like these guys already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, throughout their history, they've always been innovative, pioneering sellers, and reference in a consistent, changing winemaking sector. So, I thought it was in one location in Spain, but according to what I'm looking at, they showed several different locations. Well, they're all they're all going to be within the Rioja region. Yeah, yeah. It surprised me they had different, more than one location. Most of the time, most of the time. In a lot of re- in a lot of places, you'll have vineyards in different areas within the same appellation or DO or DOC or AOC. So but- again, my snacks are pan con tomate, which means bread with tomato, tortellini española, and what that is is onions, potatoes, and egg, and you uh, fry up the onions and the potatoes and i did a little kick up you can probably do it in that order this wine that i have is a beautiful red wine it kind of has that purple hint to it would you say that's right josh yeah it's definitely got that kind of ruby almost purple kind of hue to it uh what's the grape what's the grape that's in this uh tor- how do you say it sort tor- of Tempranillo? Tempranillo, yeah. Tempranillo. Cool. And it uh, sort of has a black cherry, black currant, blackberry, kind of get that on the nose. 
Oh yeah, I it's get a little bit of maybe some cinnamon, and I also get just a teensy bit of black pepper. Now that's not, oh, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just there, and that's kind right. of that earthiness that I taste and I smell. Right, and I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I get, you know, the black cherry, black currant, blackberry. Like it's very, very dominant. Kind of those red, black fruits are kind of big stewed fruits kind of thing. You know, you talked about the vanilla. You know, I kind of get that as, you know, I have a hard time because when I get that, I know it's American oak. Like, right. That is the smell. That is the smell of American oak. And it's not a, in this wine, it's not a bad thing. It just shows me that this wine still has, it's in there. It still has time to go. It definitely has time to age. Now, how does that aging work? Because Reserva and, and some of the, yeah, some of the other levels age longer, right? Right. There are different levels when it comes to Rioja wines. Uh, you, have Crian- you have Crianza, you have Reserva, you have Grand Reserva in the red. Um, or it cannot be labeled at all. If there's no like Crianza, Grand Reserva, or Reserva on there, it just means it's wine. You know, there's no real aging requirements to it. Uh, in Crianza, it has to be aged for two years and one year in barrel, which is, you know, American oak. And then in the Reserva, it is two years total, or three years total, two years in bo- two years in barrel and at least one year in the bottle. And then the Crianz or the Grand Reserva is six years. Oh, okay. It has to be two at least, you know, two years in bottle and then two years in barrel. You know, this was kind of this was kind of created as, you know, a Back in history, a lot of the aristocrats, you know, fearing for their heads <laughs> during the French Revolution had to flee France. And this included the winemakers. And they kind of came into Spain and set up shop. Well, one of the tough things about French wine is knowing when to drink it. Mm. Like there's no way of knowing if the wine needs to sit for longer or if it's ready or if you set it too long. So they started to make, they made these levels to kind of let you know that it's if ready. The wine, yeah, yeah. If the wine was ready. It's like when they send it out of the winery, it's either ready to drink. But I mean, this wine, this wine can sit for a whole lot longer. It still tastes youthful and vibrant. Are you saying I should have bought more bottles? I would technically agree with that. Now, I mean, you know, our friend Seth, who listens to the show and is a local wine writer for our local paper. Right. He says that you should buy your wines in threes. One for now, one for a little bit later, and one for quite a while later. So you can kind of see how things age. Okay, I'm good on the one for now. (laughs) And the one for later might be an hour. Tomorrow. (laughs) After the first one in. Yeah. Yeah. That one for later, a little bit later. Oh, man. A month. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty bad about with some bottles. I'm pretty bad about letting them sit. You know, hopefully we may have Seth here on pretty soon. Yeah. So we I'll definitely talk with him about that. Another thing that, uh, when you're looking for this wine, it's got a, a gold wire, not rim, but the wire goes bottom of the bottom of the bottle to the top of the bottle and the insignia and label on the bottle has yeah. gold trim so it's okay it kind of looks if if you've ever seen it you'll know what you're looking for and it'll be real easy to find mm-hmm. 
and I found yours, you know, the same way. It's once you get over into that Spanish area of your liquor store, mm-hmm. they're there. And they were very reasonable. This, this one is was, a sub 20 bottle. Isn't this it? was Mark $24 and so okay. many cents. And by the time I was done after fine uh, Wednesday, 20, 20% off is about 1995. Okay. So prices are tipping up a little bit, but yeah, I mean, when you taste this wine, you would be very surprised to know that it's a sub $25 bottle wine because it tastes really rich, really full. So now, have you paired anything yet? So I've gotten into the, the pan of tomato, so the, the bread with tomato. And so you said there's some garlic in here, right? Yeah, just rubbed on just a little bit. So you just rub the raw garlic on the right. toast, basically. And I think, you know, if you wanted to, you could roast the garlic and, and squeeze the roasted garlic and just smear it on that way. That would be a lot more garlic and that would be uh, a lot more earthiness. But I think this wine would stand to it. Right. Because, you know, when you roast garlic, it gets a lot sweeter. And I think with this, this is a great pairing because you have the acidity of the tomato that goes really well with the wine and that same kind of flavor. The bitter astringency of the garlic, the olive oil, it tastes tastes really good. It's just, I have this like lingering taste of garlic, of raw garlic in my mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm like, oh, I wonder if you could roast the garlic yeah. and kind of yeah. wipe it on there like it's butter kind of thing. Good. Now the It'll be really good. The tortellini espanola, I did kick it up at uh, that of earlier. Course. Uh, of course. With the reason. Well, one of the reasons was when I Googled what goes with this wine, the riso showed up along with blood sausage. I will eat blood sausage because Irish thing, an Irish breakfast kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I would find it other than going to Irish restaurant. Found the Cerezo. That's a real Spanish, Mexican thing. That's what I thought I would do. And what that does just kind of gives you a little more spice, a little more earthiness with, with this tortellini, like I said before. The egg, potato, the onion dish. Right. So before moving on to that, you know, you were telling me something earlier about the panda, the panda tomato dish. Did mom have it on one of her travels or something and told you to have it? Something There was something about that that you were telling me when we were kind of prepping our food before we started. Yes. Um, Joanne has been to Barcelona. I have not. Josh has not. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? Okay, well, I've been to Barcelona. You have to tell that story here. Yep. So I was telling Joanne I was doing this this uh, wine, and she said, "Oh, you you have to have." She didn't say pan de tomate. She said tomato bread. And I said, "Why is that?" She said, "Well, you know, I was walking around in Barcelona, and there's all these vendors, and it's the tapas, and you get all kinds of good tapas food, and that was one of them." Said everywhere you go, there it is. So I thought, well, that that sounds right. Even though this wine is not made in Barcelona. Right. It's from the other part of the country. But I'm sure you could find it. And in fact, my research said that you can find this wine in a hundred different countries. Oh, wow. That's that's kind of impressive. But yeah, so the the top, like just the top style stuff is amazing. So yeah, I, I did go to Barcelona when I was in Italy. As 
one of my free travels, we ended up in Barcelona before flying back to Rome. And it's just the top, like the, just the, the idea of tapas. I love it. Like I love a style of light eating, snacking. You know, there's the joke about, about our, about my generation that, you know, we love charcuterie boards and that because Lunchables, mm-hmm. that's basically an, an adult, a charcuterie board is basically an adult Lunchable. I never that, heard that, Josh. That's <laughs> and I mean, that was what a lot of us ate. A lot of kids <laughs> okay, ate. Okay, here's your Lunchable. <laughs> Go to go to school. Exactly. Rip that open. Here's your crackers. Here's your cheese. Here's your meat. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, nowadays it's, we set up big, these big charcuterie boards, and I just I just love the idea of that light snack, eat and drink and talk. Yeah. Like the Spanish, the Spanish lifestyle, like a lot of European lifestyles, is just so slow. You're not really in a hurry to do anything. Like work is not the most important thing in your life. It's the time you spend with people and that you relax. Way. You know, the, the whole siesta thing is so true. I'm, have you been, you haven't been to Spain yet, have you? No. But I'm okay. Mexico. But it's, it's different. Yeah. It's really different in Spain. And actually, that, they're speaking a different dialect. <laughs> yeah. But the, that, the siesta culture where you want it, they don't eat dinner until nine or 10 o'clock. Exactly. You, you take that break in the middle of the day, right. have your tapas, go back to work for a little bit. Seven, eight o'clock, you finish it, you go have a little bit more tapas before you go to dinner. Like it's, it's just, it's something that was really refreshing. And I was only there for two or three days and had one of the best paellas of my life. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. In in Barcelona. So. Was it a seafood one or? uh, It it was, it was a mix. Okay. Uh, So there was seafood and there was uh, like chicken and chorizo in it. Okay. Well, these guys have been doing this since 1858. Uh wonderful picture on their website guys rolling out barrel and then must be the boss men. yeah boss men are standing with some barrels upright and they all have the boss men have like fedora kind of hat yeah and the guys rolling out the barrels had the little caps on okay and so like that is, cap. that's such a great picture i I think. And the other thing is they've been doing this 160 years and they say, we live by wine and we live for wine. And that really says it all, doesn't it? It really does. So, you know, Rioja, put our geography hat back on, is up in the north, northern part of Spain, but it's near the north middle of Spain. So it makes me wonder, because we talked about how David Christopher did, you know, the Camino de Santiago. I wonder if he walked through this wine region. Don't have an idea. I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and either talk to him or look at, you know, we actually joked about, because there are quite a few wine regions that are along the Camino de Santiago. It, it kind of makes me want to go and, you know, do the walk and, you know, could not, I'm not going to carry all the podcast equipment, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe because that's a, just a lot of stuff to carry because it's a long, it's a long way. You almost walk across the entirety of Spain mm-hmm. in this walk, but it is one of those things like just to go through and then be in these regions and do, you know, have the spiritual side of the walk as well and get to see him up close and firsthand. But I think, I think Rioja is one of the regions that the Camino walks through. So the Camino de Santiago is a pilgrimage. That is done, that follows a walk that a Catholic, I think he's a saint, 
walked and it starts in the Pyrenees and goes all the way all the way to the sea. You know, the the walk, you know, starts in the Pyrenees and goes all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Like there's a there's a specific church that it stops like it stops in. But you can continue it all the way to the sea, which I think is what David Christopher did. But it'd be really cool to walk through that and go through all these different vineyards or these different wine regions yeah. in Spain. Yeah. So that's a long, long walk. Oh yeah. I mean it takes a couple weeks, I think, to go through. Okay. There's quite a few people that do it. Yeah. Well, the Appalachian Trail in the United States is a really long walk, but it's up on the mountains and there's right. and there's no wineries or no, anything. It's just hiking I mean, along. I mean, you might run into some moonshiners, but Well, you might. Yeah, you might. But you know, like I said, you actually go through the Pyrenees. That you know, you start in, you actually start in France and go uh, through the Pyrenees and you know run across Spain. But you know, that'd be that'd be interesting to see. You know, maybe I'll walk in and you'll just meet me in in towns with all the podcast equipment. Oh, <laughs> and we'll do that. But you know, this this torta that you have is is really good. The the chorizo with the egg and the potato. It's not as spicy as I expected. It actually brings out some like inherent sweetness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, I didn't really load it up. I just sprinkled a little bit over it. <laughs> right. But it's still, it's still a good addition to it because it does add some of that kind of earthiness. And I think the sweetness is coming from a cheese or something. Is there cheese in it? No. No. Oh, no. Maybe it's just the egg. Oh, no, like I said, it's onion. I use red onion. The recipe said white onion. I like red onion better. It's sweeter right. than potatoes. And so you like fry those in olive oil. Right. And then you take them out to let them drain. And then you put them back and you pour the egg in. And then you're cooking the egg. And I just sprinkled the cerizo on top. And then cook it for long enough to get the bottom brown. Right. And then put it in the oven on broil okay. to finish it up. Really, really easy. It's almost like a frittata. Yeah. With, with a, like a potato y right. But it's really good. Yeah, it goes well with the wine. It kind of takes out that oakiness. It did of the wine, and this leaves you that nice, fresh, fresh fruit, kind of jammy fruit flavor that goes on with it. But I think I get more of the earth, more of the pepper, and more spice out of the wine based on this this taste with maybe the cerezo. Right, and then we got the flan. Flan. So tell us again. So is there a caramel, a caramel in this flan too? And you're going to get my secrets here. So the recipe I chose is you you cook sugar and water, and you're supposed to brown mm-hmm. it. Well, I don't know what I was doing wrong, Josh. I never got it to brown. Okay. And I feel I filled our ramen, and it really ended. It says work real fast. <laughs> well, what I ended up with was hard kind of sugar not brown then you have the egg mixture with says whole milk i didn't have any whole milk but i had some half and half and i had some heavy whipping cream get that warmed up mix it with the egg like i said i or maybe you heard me say it when we were putting things together don't have an instapot that's what it called for but i put it in a tall pan that had about an inch of water 
put it in the oven for 350 degrees for about 30 minutes and then finished it at 400. Right, which is traditionally, if you don't have an in-spot, you you cook a flan in a, in a water bath. Right. And then... I saw you try it. How's it, how's it going? You know, it's it's good. I'm having a little chorizo hangover, so I'm going to take another bite. Before. Oh, really? <laughs> no, there's a whole lot sweeter than that. Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't have all the <laughs> all the wherewithal to do it their way. Right. Ooh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it brings up the the acidity and the earthiness of the wine being you know a sweet being a sweet thing. It's in the wine not being sweet. It's going to it's going to bring up the kind of the astringency and the almost the tannins of a little bit. The tannins of this the tannins of this aren't really high. No. So I think that's that's something that kind of helps with this. Now, do you think your wine would pair with this pretty good, or would it struggle because I think it would struggle because it's not sweet enough. I think it would just become really acidic. Right. Want to try it? We got some wine left. <laughs> You're gonna try it. Ah, uh, yeah. Do you want to? Go ahead. I mean, okay. I mean, I'll pour you some. It's not. <laughs> it's not like it won't get drank. I'm enjoying this red wine. It's really good. Well, I don't have much. There wasn't a whole lot on their website. They did have this thing, the City of Wine. That's at Ava. Okay. So they have this whole thing of exploring the history. You delve into the journey through time and blah, 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 blah. Right. I think that'd be a very good tourist location to go and see how they've done things. So, yeah, that would be, I mean, I would love to go. So speaking of the, you know, the whole, the history and everything and me talking about Bordeaux, Mm -hmm. if you look on the label, the bottom part here says the 13th, I'm going to translate in my head most likely, 13th expedition of Bordeaux, the National University Diploma of Honor. So in 1895, basically the, the, the family received a honorary diploma in winemaking. From the University of Bordeaux. 1895? 1895 is what it says on the... Yeah, they just started in 1858. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so they, they received a, you know, an honorable, an honorable, honorary diploma, there's a word. Yeah. An honorary diploma of wine from University of Bordeaux. And that's, that's what's here uh-huh. yeah. at the bottom of the label. Yeah. And I've never, I've never read that before. I've had this wine three or four times and I've never actually read that. Oh, okay. But it kind of gives a nod back to that tradition of, you know, Bordelais winemaking style, kind of styles in, in Spain. What about best on plate? I think we're coming up to that. Yeah, we are. So I'm going to say on your plate, the torta, the egg tort was my favorite with the wine. How everything kind of played together in the torta went really well with the wine and I think kind of expressed the wine even with the chorizo. Uh-huh. Cause it wasn't like it didn't it didn't hit you really hard. Like if you didn't tell me that there was chorizo in here, I wouldn't know. Oh really? Yeah, because there's not a whole whole well, lot a, of it. Definitely a color change. Well there's different. a color change, but also if you cook egg, it looks like that. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I wouldn't I like you said if you didn't tell me there wasn't Cherie. If there if there was Cherie on this, I wouldn't be able to pick okay. it. What about you on your plate? That's my favorite as well, Josh. Yeah, and part of it is because of the Cherie being there and that little kick up. That's kind of my new style, right? 
<laughs> a little kick up. Kind of what you do. But that flan is really good. It is. The flan is, is very good. Wasn't that impressed with tomatoes on bread? We do that yeah. all the time. You know, a bruschetta. Yeah. What about on my plate? Your plate? What is your favorite on mine? I don't want you to get mad at me. You don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be offended if you don't no, like my tali. No, I love, <laughs> I love your Persian rice. I mean, I am so impressed that you got that down <laughs> I mean, and I'm, I'm hoping that the next time you do it, it's going to be exactly the same. Right. Now you could add, like you said, the red currants or something else to it, but that, that real chewiness of the bottom. Right. That was so perfect. So that was that was your favorite? Yeah. The Tali? Right. Now you know that the I what's the the, the different cheese, the burrata cheese was really good. Like I said, it melts in your mouth and wow, that is impressive. I'm gonna say that that's my favorite pairing on that what? plate. There was the burrata. Give me the, all that rice. Now. No, I'm not saying the rice is bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying when it came to the pairing, I think the burrata was better because of that that the the inherent like soft cheesiness of it went so well and I can't explain it. Well that whole melt in your mouth thing. That that's was, just amazing. Right. That was that was really, really good. Like I said when we first did it, take a little bit of that cheese, melting in your mouth, grab your wine glass, you take a sip, and it's like party city. And you know, I did this and I think it was probably my favorite thing that I did. I took a little bit of that crispy tali, and I put some of the burrata on it as a vessel. And oh, that no. was really good. Really? You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you got the floralness of the saffron, and then you got that, yeah. that creamy cheesiness of the burrata. And that was probably well, the that I, I think we said this earlier. If we spread some of that on the tomato bread. I think it would have helped it as well. Right. All right, well, we're Are you doing to, a blind today? I think we're going to head to the blind. All right. All right. Time for the blind. I'm going to be using a sheet that was created by Jennifer Hendrickson, my former boss at Yellowstone Club, currently at Domain Serene. All right. So this is a red wine. It is a of a ruby color going out to kind of a watery meniscus, a really light red as well, uh, kind of a some secondary color, maybe a little bit of magenta. As they would say, the legs on this are medium regs. No real, no real evidence there. Plain glass. Yeah, uh, there's no evidence of gas or sediment, sediment or any staining. All right, and on the nose, this is a clean smelling wine. Uh, it's kind of earth forward. You get some smells of kind of earthy barn as well as some. Red fruit, raspberries, strawberries, and cherries kind of up there. A little bit of like a cookedness or overripeness on the fruit. There's definitely some vegetal characteristics, some some dried and desiccated flowers. A little bit. It's a little hot. A little bit, but there's a little bit of, you can tell there's been some barrel aging. You get some of that cinnamon, clove, and kind of nutmeggy, nutmeggy kind of smells. There's also a little bit of like dustiness. Mm-hmm. Kind of on this as well. So let's go ahead and give it, it a seems taste. Seems like it's a lot drier than the yeah. Roja. Hey, it's a dry wine. Alcohol is medium. Not really that hot. Acid. 
kind of beating as well. Tannins are kind of right there in the middle. Nothing really clinging, nothing really cloying on it. And um, fermenting all those same kind of red fruit. A little bit more dried on this. There's definitely that, that still that definitely vegetal greenness to it. And um, still that earthy barn compost kind of kind of smell on it. Some like a little rockiness. Definitely some like a bright cherry kind of flavors on this. It is definitely got some oak usage. It's kind of lean in texture. Not really, really round. Uh, the body, it's, it's kind of a bodied wine. Yeah. Tannins, I'm going to go back to like a little bit of medium plus. Kind of coating the roof of my mouth. Not really teeth tannins or lip tannins. Uh, it's really kind of covering the top of my mouth. No element really kind of dominates. Complexity is medium. Finish is kind of medium on this. You like it? You know, I do. Acidity is a little bit more than I expected. I think this is an old world wine. Possible grape. Uh, Pinot Noir. Sangiovese. If I had to throw a third one in there. Yolo. I think so. I think this is possibly from Italy or Spain. Or Spain, not Spain. Um, Italy or France. Maybe there's some Grenache in there. So maybe Spain. Pretty young. Three to five years old. Whittle it down here. All right. I think this is an old world wine. I think it is a Sangiovese based blend. I think it is from Italy. I think it's from Chianti. I'm not going to go any farther than that. And I think it is a 2017. A Italian Chianti from 2017. That was a pretty good wine. The alcohol is a little bit hotter than I expected. Yeah, I'm it is. There. Surprised but, me a little bit. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really good. So uh, what are we doing next week, Dad? Oh, we're doing IPAs, finally. Woo! Yep, next week is a beer week, and he has finally talked me into IPAs. So, Dad, what are you going to do? I'm doing Diamond Bear two-term. So a local beer, it's a double, it's a double it's, IPA, it's right? It's like a double IPA. Cool. And I am going to do the, I'm going to do the Lagunitas IPA. Lagunitas IPA, I love yeah. that one too. I'm going to go ahead and do the, the Lagunitas IPA. Well, we're going to have a great time. Pretty standard, good IPA. And uh, we're excited to have you guys come back next week and figure out what that wine was and come enjoy us for some IPAs. and. You know, I, I kind of just want to say this being from Arkansas and everything that's going on in international, probably international news when it comes to Arkansas, we here at Acquired Tastings are very open and supportive of anybody who wants to listen to us. We don't care race, creed, color, sexuality. You are welcome here. You have an advocate here and what our state is doing is, is just an abomination in my We're opinion. Not happy with it. We are we are not happy and we want to let you know that we stand with you no matter what. We are here. We are here if you need anything. We always love to hear you guys reaching out reach to us out on to the, us. reach out to us on the socials. We are here. We are on Instagram as acquired tastings. We are on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, Instagram is where we are most active. So give us a follow if you like us and check us out and for those of us in the state of Arkansas with a mind, we are sorry for the things that our government is doing. 
We are excited to have you guys come back and we hope to see you next week on another episode of Acquired Tasting. So once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.